Chapter 3 On the Subject of Food We ate incredibly poorly. There were no healthy meals in my house. I microwaved copious amounts of pizza pockets. Fresh produce was scarce. Anything perishable tended to rot in the refrigerator or under the mounds of boxes and other garbage that covered every square inch of the kitchen table to an average depth of one to two feet. The countertop was likewise burdened with detritus, as was perhaps 80% of the floor. Enough food to feed an army has been lost in limbo over the years. A thin covering of debris would render it forever forgotten. Sometimes, the hungry sea of chaos seemed to swallow the food whole. This made for a miserable situation in the summertime especially. The home was impossibly hot and stuffy. Food lost in limbo, such as a misplaced hamburger, raw bacon, or cantaloupe, did not last long. When any non-processed food rotted, it didn't simply turn brown or green. The decay advanced like an army on an unsuspecting populace. Putrefaction was so complete that any shape or form resembling its previous life had long since been extinguished. The collection of rapidly obliterating molecules looked like something from deep within a compost pile. Sometimes the gelatinous goo or dark fluids had thoroughly run their course, leaving only a monument to the work of bacteria in the form of a thick stain. If the food fell into the blob, a caramel-like compound permanently worked into the fibers of denim jeans, into multiple skeins of yarn, and dripped between the covers of books and magazines. Gravity, that old bastard, added a flourishing touch by causing it to ooze down one of the unseen sides of the couch. Tidying up the kitchen involved removing paper bags containing unpacked groceries that had fused to the floor. The entire contents and bottom of the bag rotted into the divots and cracks that separated the tiles. When lifting the bag, only the sides pulled up to expose a serious mess. It sounds crazy, but cleaning the kitchen was preferable to all the other rooms because it involved the least amount of decision-making. Other rooms were filled with mom's clothes, unopened craft supplies, books that went unread, numerous tissue boxes, toilet paper, family keepsakes like photo albums and scrapbooks, endless oddities. Important documents, like my birth certificate or mom's social security card. Occasional valuables. Bras, socks, even money. I could never figure out where to put everything. The kitchen was simple. Everything needing to be tossed was extremely obvious. Produce rotted. Milk curdled. There were fascinating packages of foodstuffs to study that had gone uneaten for a decade or longer. Even sealed bags of flour and cereals crawled with bugs. I could really make a difference in there by hauling out three or four large garbage bags in short order. Clearing space to open the refrigerator door more completely was particularly satisfying. But this then required cleaning out the fridge as well. I'd clear myself a generous notch between the debris to eat cereal at the kitchen table this was tantamount to pulling the king's throne out of storage, because 
Then I didn't have to sit on the couch and spill all over myself prior to catching the bus for school. It was nearly impossible to give the counters and stovetop a full Betty Crocker clean. The encrusted barnacles were too entrenched to wipe or scrub away. This was particularly a problem with the 1950s-era stove that was original to the house. At some point, the oven quit working. Mom kept it for years afterwards. For a real adventure, I delved into the adjoining room that had been added as an addition to the house. This room went unheated and was generally closed off. Therefore, the temperatures ranged from stifling hot to very cold. Mom kept hundreds of canned goods back there that she obtained over the years. These were either store-bought vegetables when they were on sale or homemade applesauce and quart-sized mason jars.